guys. What's up? It's Danielle and Jason. How's it going, everybody? With Kingdom Killers. I'm back. He's back. I'm back for this week. He is. He took the week off last week, so we hope you enjoyed just me on there, but I'm glad he's back because we can feed off each other a lot better, I feel like. More commentary. Yeah, because you're totally different than me. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And it brings in a different... topic that is true and thought process for sure so we today we're going to talk about the s in the ptsd and we think that this one is a pretty i don't want to say intense but an important thing because i feel like it kind of gets like pushed over because Everyone says, like, in your jobs, you're stressed, or today was a stressful day at work, and I feel like there's a wide range of what stress can actually be. So can it be because I woke up late and I'm late for work? Could it be because my boss is hounding me for, you know, to get a report in or something, and I'm not getting it in? Could it be marital stress, or could it be debilitating stress, which a lot of first responders actually deal with. So today I think um, our plan is to talk about the S and the stress and um, go from there. Yeah, I think that that's kind of the part that to me is um, a little bit sad is that the word stress is used too flippantly, I think, in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now when you say I have... PTSD and the S is stress, right? Mm-hmm. I've actually had people say to me who have desk jobs who sit behind a desk and just type on a computer all day say to me, Well, I have stress in my job. <laughs> so, I mean, what's wrong? You know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you serious? Like, there's a huge difference between uh, getting shot at or the potential of being shot at or killed any second of any day as a cop or as a first responder or as a veteran or any of those times or any of those professions rather than sitting and saying, man, my computer won't print or it won't print. So now I'm stressed out. Right. I mean, that's funny to me that you would use the word stress for that. Because that's not even true. Well. It's not. Maybe in your idea. But they don't know. Like people like that. They don't understand. Right. And that's why they shouldn't. But that's why they shouldn't use the term stress. They should say, I have an inconvenience that's happening to me right now. But really it's Mm -hmm. not stressful. But it is stressful to them. Agree to disagree, I guess. Well, it's not... It's not that I don't, it's not that I disagree with you, but I'm just saying like they've never held, you know, somebody's head as the person was dying in front of them. You've never been talking to someone where someone just dropped dead in front of you and you couldn't help it. They've never, you know, delivered children and had that baby (laughs) die. Like they don't, they don't see that type of real stuff that we actually have to, have to deal with, but because they can't relate, they don't, people I mean, just not first responders, I guess, just can't can't relate because they've never seen it. They've never seen worse. Right. Well, I, I just wish there was a shift in our culture that instead of the word stress for somebody who can't get their printer to work, 
it's an inconvenience. I'm having an inconvenience mm -hmm. instead of stress mm -hmm. because stress is something that happens like in your body chemically too. Like it releases chemicals so that your body goes into fight or flight. Like, I'm sorry, but somebody sitting at a desk or trying to get something approved or man, the budget's really not here. That's not stress that, that doesn't key fight or flight <laughs> in the person. <laughs> and if it does, you probably should just stay home. Okay. <laughs> I told you I'm feisty today. You are. He, he is feisty today. I was like, oh, we got to record this today because we got, we got all you guys out there saying, when's the next one coming out? Guys and gals. Yeah. Guys meaning like group. We'll let that go since you're from the Midwest. Okay. Midwest people say guys for guys and girls. Okay. Although this weekend, time, time. No what? time out on this. I played in a police softball tournament and it was so funny because there's two girls on our team and then there's like 15 guys. Mm -hmm. So they were all talking like, let's go boys and girls. Let's go boys <laughs> and girls. I'm like, it's okay. You could just say, I don't really care. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. Some people that might bother, but you don't need to be offended. No, I'm not offended. So um, back to the stress. So Jason kind of re kind of revisited or gave his explanation of stress and the different types on the like pendulum swing, I guess. Um, but I wanted to revisit the difference between like a, a stoplight. And I've talked about this in the past and other ones. Um, but we in law enforcement kind of, this is our way of explaining to people that don't understand it. So it's just like a regular stoplight. So you have the green light and this is in America. You have the green light, you have the yellow light and on the top you have the red light. Okay. So the green light is just for your, where most stress or as Jason would call it, inconveniences lie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just True. like the printer starts to go on the fritz. Yeah, like kids are misbehaving, like, yeah, you know, financial stress, like different things. That's yeah. like um, people that aren't first responders basically live on that level. Then there's yellow and yellow is where you're on guard. Like you have all the stresses of the green, but then you bring those up to the yellow and you're always on guard. Like you're always waiting for the next thing to happen. So you can never truly ever calm down no matter like where you are, whether you're at work or whether you're at home. It's just something you can never do. Your hypervigilance yes, hyper starts to rise. Yeah. Starts to kick in. And it's almost like, I don't want to say you always think people are after you because it's not that creepy, but you're just <laughs> always just aware of well, your surroundings. Yeah, the hypervigilance. Yeah. It starts to, that's when it starts to, start, you know, show, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And then you have the red light. That's like, we're going. Yeah. Like, it's a hot call. You're in a, some sort of a fight or flight for your life. Um. Driving super, super, super fast to an intense call, you know, different things like that. So most people live at the green. Then there's the yellow and that's where most first responders live uh, all the time. Like normal. Like normal. Like that's their normal. We w It took me years 
to get to green after I left law enforcement. You're still not even close to green. No, I'm orange. <laughs> no. Yeah. Maybe lime green? Remember I made, up, I made up orange because it's in between red and yellow. You think you're all the way above up there right now? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I still am red. Oh, yeah. You know, so like, I would say I still am yellow with hints of orange and red. Sometimes you surprise me with a little lime green, though. Yeah, sometimes. Like, it's deer hunting season now <laughs> in Minnesota. So, like, that's something that really makes me happy. Or sometimes I'll come back from the gym and I'm really up. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really in a good mood. And sometimes Danielle thinks that I'm, like, too hyper. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, I'm just, like, in a really good mood. I want to get, like, things moving. I want to get going, like. Stuff like that. That actually pushes her more towards yellow because I'm mm -hmm. usually very, like, calm. And if I'm, like, not calm and I'm starting to move real quick, like, let's get this thing going. Let's go. Then she's kind of like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Well, yeah. I think, right? this, I think this whole PTSD thing with you has completely changed your personality. The stress. Yeah. Like, that he is under and, like, the whole... You know, disorder, I guess, is the best way of putting it. He used to be my soft, gentle teddy bear with an outside strong, you know, what do you call it? A strong appearance? Shell? I don't know. Shell? I don't know. Yeah. And he used to calm me down. And like this last year and a half, maybe two years, his personality has really, really shifted. I'd say actually since the riots. So over two years. Yeah. Because yeah. that was really, really, really where it started to turn. And that's actually where I became more self-aware, actually, of it. Yeah. You know, even though I think I said in one of the old, you know, my story or my side of things um, was that I tried to still push on through that, you know, for months after <laughs> that. But obviously I was more self-aware of it, but it's still was not good right so no it was not good so back to the the stress so there's different things that um that also stress um first responders out and it's not just necessarily the calls they go to um it can be lack of support mm -hmm. with their administration yeah along with pressure with like the police culture like right now the first responders not just police but especially the police lately um with the culture of the world like always having people you know threatening you or ambush like those are insanely like up in the statistics yeah. of how many police are being ambushed i think even a couple weeks ago yeah i mean it's, uh, an officer got killed on an ambush yeah like it's literally happening all the time and or way more than it than it ever used to oh yeah um yep. workload i can tell you when i left that was a huge part of mine i was in a position that had like nine different you wore like, like nine different hats nine different hats yeah. and every one of those hats needed something every second of every day and then they're like, why isn't this done? And I'm sitting here like, I'm trying my hardest to do everything that I can, but you should split this up between three people, which now I think it is pretty yeah, close. Yeah, I think so. And honestly, I think, or I hope that, you know, I hope there's administrators actually who listen to our podcast because mm -hmm. 
that can definitely change the culture of your police department. Um, just being there for your people and making that shift will really elevate your uh, organization and it will help your officers and everyone to really know that, wow, I have somebody in my corner yeah. when I feel like no one else is, mm-hmm. right? So, Especially with the workload, you mean? With the or workload what? or with the, yeah, like with the, um, you know, just having them be there for oh, you. okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be good for the workload. Like I know a lot of people or a lot of agencies right now, especially for police, are down. Numbers are completely down. And then everyone else is overworked and everyone's overloaded and then all of that. So if you're an admin, maybe don't start new things when everything else is behind. <laughs> like yeah, The problem is, is that a lot of, especially new administrators, want to quote unquote leave their mark at the police department, which means that they feel like they need to, oh, I want to implement this so that I can always say, I did this and for this and that in the PD, right? Well, it's really not a smart management move and it's not a good leadership move to see your people down and then say, oh, on top of all that, we're going to, we're going to make this uh, mandatory or we're going to start this new training type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you all have to do it and on your days off. I know that you don't get days off really anyway because you're so short, but too bad. This is my new thing. I want to leave my mark on it, you know? So that's really not a good leadership style or strategy. So yeah, if we do have administrators who are listening, just remember that they're still people Yes, they work for you, <laughs> but really, if you see that your crew is down, mm-hmm. help build them up, not pile on. Especially with like the excessive overtime and the rotating shifts and all the things. I think it has a lot to do with like the um, climate too in your organization with with the stress as well, especially with the admin. Like if you... Our job is stressful no matter what. So why in the world would we try to continuously nitpick every little thing to push your people who are showing up every day, Mm -hmm. who are putting their life on the line, you know, why, why are we nitpicking little things that they could do better or do different things like that? Like, I understand if it's life and death, if it's training moment, all those things. That's not what I'm saying. But like, there's some things you could probably let go that you don't. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's just, it's, it seems to be a, a common thing. Especially in, in police. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure why. I think I do know why. And, and this is just my perspective, but we take people who really aren't leaders or have even gone through like leadership type training or anything like that. We just take people from the road who apply to be a sergeant or a lieutenant or whatever they are and say, yep, we're going to make you a leader of people. But they don't know how to do that or their personality isn't for it. And so they don't know any better but to just say, do what I'm telling you to do because I'm the boss now. So I think that would be another huge shift is that if we actually got 
leaders in those positions that led, not bosses who boss their people around. So when you say that, what, I mean, that's interesting. So would you, how would you fix that? Like, would you give them classes as patrol officers? No, I, what? I think the, what the problem is, is that there is, there's, there's a huge bump in pay typically when you move from like just being a patrol cop to a sergeant or like whatever you're striving for. There's always a pay increase, right? Because now you're supposed to be leading, right? You're supposed to be leading these people. And oftentimes I'm not seeing any leadership out of any of them. I'm seeing people who just wanted the, the status. They want the status of saying, well, I'm a sergeant here or I'm a lieutenant here or, you know, whatever they <laughs> want to be. But it's like it's a status symbol for some people. And then it's also um, on other on others. They just want to just advance so fast so that they can say they are, you know. Um, I'm not a patrol cop anymore. I'm a sergeant. So I make more money. I don't got to do that. I don't have to do these calls. I don't have to do that. Right? Like, I don't know. I, w I would say the process of putting people into those leadership spots, they need to be real leaders, not somebody who's just like, hey, you should put in for this. And then they get it. Because that's weak leadership. That's weak leadership to even tell, tell somebody to apply for a leadership spot when they're not ready for it. So you don't think that it should be like a development into leaders? You think it should just be... They should already be that leader before they get hired? Well, there's personalities that are natural leaders. A lot of times at my old agency, I would hear that... Um, that I'm an informal leader, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that I have leadership skills and I have influence over people, but I'm not in a leadership spot, mm -hmm. right? So identify the, the ones that do have good leadership qualities, identify the ones who are informal leaders, who people naturally gravitate to, put them through formal training, formal leadership training, and move them up. Interesting. I think that should actually be a full topic of a podcast because we could, it could talk. Be. That was like five minutes on that. It was interesting to hear your topic on I it. have a lot of, I got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I told you I was ready for it today. I know. We should do I like. I texted her earlier and I said. I'm ready for the podcast. Tonight. Yeah, he was. He was like ready to go. I'm like, maybe we should record like 10. Well, let's not. Let's pump the brakes on that. But <laughs> anyways. Okay. So. Back to stress. Back to stress. Back to stress. Okay. So not, now we kind of know like what causes the stress, right? And the difference between the first responders and, you know, most of the general public out there. So um, it's interesting and important, I guess, is the best way of saying, is there's a ton of different consequences that come with the debilitating stress that first responders can um, and will encounter. So there's 
a swing, I feel like some first responders, like the ones that Jason and I are, like the ones that have the full-blown PTSD and unfortunately, like completely had to remove us from the jobs that we love. Um, and then there's some that some people that just have more intense stress. And some of the different consequences that come with that, for one, I'm going to say is heart attacks because um, you never meet an old cop. And that's a saying, <laughs> that's a saying that a lot of people say. Like, and That's like, super sad, too. It's so sad. And it's like, you know, the, the police officers gave their whole life to their agency and to not community, just agency, yeah. but community and their partners and all the things. And they retire and they're like dead within five years, if that. I hate that, actually. I mean, that's the most saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it is. And it's, like, so rampant. It is. And I've seen it so many times. Like, we have close – I have – well, Danielle and I really have a close friend that his dad was it, – it's basically – he's a cop. His dad was a cop. And, uh, like, his his dad worked his butt off for – 30 plus years gave his life to the job and um, was a great dad, great leader, like great grandpa. Yeah. Great grandpa to his grandkids. All, you know, he has young grandkids, uh, but like he worked his butt off. Mm -hmm. And then for what? Like in, in five years after he retired, he died. Mm hmm. Like, I don't know. I would, I heard a thing on one of my, I listen. I started now listening to like motivational things. Good for you. <laughs> um, and you all should be doing that. Yeah. And I'll probably screw up the quote, but it was something along the lines of it's better to have a short life and do something that you love than a long life and you hate it. I, mean, I might have got it wrong. I don't remember the exact sense. quote. But the point of it was quit trying to chase things just for like money or fame or, you know, whatever it is, followers or whatnot. It's the point of life is that you're being fulfilled. And if it's not, you don't do it for the money. You do it for the passion that's inside of you. Right. And I know that a lot of cops that were, that have died of heart attacks, do have huge passions for the job. You know, clearly mm -hmm. do. And that's why I think, like with you saying that, like I think that because our job is so stressful that like sometimes we think our passion is more important than our well-being oh that's where i was going with it oh is that i've heard too many people say i hate this i want out right because you start you know you start as a rookie cop and you're like oh my word i would do this job for free i love this i'm like i'm gonna do this forever like i love it and then you start to become more jaded, more calloused towards things because then you start to see like your eyes kind of open to like what being a cop really is. 
And then you're like, I hate this, right? There's like these seasons where I talked to cops even this weekend. They don't want to be cops. They don't want to, but they're so afraid to leave because of money that it basically is handcuffing them. It's tying them down. So that was my point is if you have something else that you're passionate about, don't do it for the money. Leave the money because money is not worth your life. Money is a tool. Money is a bribe that you're... Bribe? (laughs) This was another quote I heard. Oh, my word. Money is a bribe that your boss gives you to do a task. Okay. Right? Well, I mean... Hey, do this because you're getting paid. Okay, I guess. I mean, well, that's a good viewpoint. I mean, it is. I I think that maybe to money's a tool for to help you to get what you want or desire or need. It's not the end all be all. Like there's a lot of different tools that you can use. You have money, you have your brain, you have your schooling, you have books, you have all these different things to get you to where you want to be. And I feel like so many people, including myself at times, get so wrapped up in like money being more than just a tool. It just ends up like controlling you. Controlling. Yeah. So. Because there was a stat that was put out, I think, that said that if you're constantly chasing money, like, well, I will do this once I get to here with money. You're never going to be satisfied in your life. No. Nope. Never. Mm-mm. Because you'll constantly be saying, well, I'm going to do it once I get, well, here now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on this vacation once I get this. I'm going to retire once I get this. Well, you're going to be chasing that for a long time. Well, and I think money is, a, like money issues are a huge problem with stress too. Like, you're so stressed, you just want to go out and relieve it, whatever you want to do. Like, whether it's gamble or drink more, spend more, you know, like, use the money to do things that will keep you feeling good. Live. And live because you feel like you can't sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like, cynicism, that's huge. Sometimes, well... And I might, this is interesting. I guess I'll bring it up. But like cynicism, a lot of what I've seen in the past is some people be like, how can a cop be laughing at a death scene? Or how can, you know, a first responder, you know, be not sad over this or like all the things because people from the outside looking in don't understand it. And it's not that we're cynical, I would say. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a combination of that and calloused and having to cope. With detach things. emotionally. Yeah, detach. Because if you're like attaching yourself to every single death scene or whatever you're seeing, it can drive you insane. Mm, clearly. <laughs> so I think that that's just the way of the first responders coping. That doesn't mean they care any less at all. But it's just one of the things that, you know, if they could, they'd be helping that person. But when that person is dead, they're dead. And unfortunately, they just have to be able to turn that off, file it away, and go to the next call. 
So that's just the way that first responders have to perform. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that it's most of the time what first responders and veterans are seeing is not made for human consumption. Yeah. Right. I mean, the volume of dead people or like you see a really bad crash or a veteran sees his buddy get blown up. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something you're supposed to see mm -hmm. as a human being. Mm -hmm. So that also starts to change the chemical makeup in your body on how you respond to stress mm -hmm. and how you respond to seeing certain things. Yeah. Because it's your body literally trying to survive. That's the only way it knows how to do it. Yeah. Like how, how can we survive and continue to see these things? Well, and I think that that's a huge reason why this podcast is actually like going so well is because we're bringing awareness to it and the stigma and it's like, okay, well, something clearly needs to change and we're here for it. You know, like we're here to help it because it's so hard. Like I know we can't take away the stress, you know, of first responders and different things, but if we can figure out to help change or maybe I don't want to say change maybe, but elevate the awareness so the stigma is not really there, that maybe, you know, first responders will be okay with getting the help that they need and vocalizing it and not being embarrassed and not being ashamed and not feeling weak, mm -hmm. you know, by yeah. admitting it. <clears throat> yep, for sure. And that is just basically the whole goal here. Kill so, the stigma. Hashtag, hashtag kill, kill the, the stigma. stigma. <laughs> what? Oh my word, you just made up a new hashtag. Kill the stigma. <laughs> okay, so a couple other consequences. Consequences? consequences no, consequences. Of stress. <laughs> um, it's 11, no, 1040 at night. Yeah, it's almost 11. I'm tired. Um, is uh, officers or any sort of first responders not showing up for work? Being late for work, being tardy for work, um, retiring early, aggression, increased aggression out on the road, dealing with um, not suspects or victims or whatever it is, alcoholism, marital problems, suicide, ulcers, all the things. Yeah, I think <clears throat> what really came through for me was that I started to not care about going to work. Mm -hmm. Like, so the tardiness, like I tried to be like on time and stuff like that, but really it didn't bother me if I wasn't, you know, like. And that bothered me so much right, for so, him. Yeah. Because at that point I was really starting to get in the thick of, you know, the, the PTSD and all, and all of that. And so like, to me, I was like, I don't even care. Like if they fire me, fine. And I'm like, sitting you know, here like, are you kidding me right now? This is your job. You need to wake up. You need to get there. You need to be on time. What time does your shift start? Yeah. So there's like that. And then there was taking, uh, you know, taking time off a lot towards the end, especially like to the point where I had some of my upper management 
come and say to me like, hey, are you like doing okay? Because you are taking a lot of time off and you don't have any time left. And so like at the time I just lied to him and said, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. I'm just, I got the time. Like I had the time. And so then I was taken off. And so there's that. And then, yeah. So it's just, there's, there's a lot of them tied to the job like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think for mine, it was. Mm, I would say mine was more on the mental health side of the consequences of stress for me. I would say it was more of the depression. It was more of the suicidal thoughts. It was more about the, like, all of it just came, like, the anxiety. All of it came to just a head, and it was like, bam. Like, it's there. Like, I don't, and I may be wrong, but, like, I always went to work. I always put on a smiley face. I always did all my work I needed to do. I was overwhelmed a lot with the volume of work I had, but that's, I mean, I talked about that earlier. So mine's a little bit different. Like I would always try to be positive and do all that. So that's how Jason and I's PTSD is a lot different. And I don't know. I I think everyone's is different. And I'm not sure if like the way that he kind of explains it and also like his wanting to cope with alcohol and his increased aggression and madness and quickness to to like zero to a hundred really fast, you know, as a guy thing could be a girl thing too. Don't get me wrong. But like in our situation, it was that way. So another one I forgot to say too, like towards the end. And that's why I was disciplined towards the end of my career, which I have never been suspended in 15 years. And then (laughs) can you talk about this time out? What can you talk about that? Well, I won't give detail, but like, (laughs) but I was disciplined. I mean, it's public record, I think. Right. But I was never like suspended or any, like any of that in 15 years of my career, basically. Mm -hmm. In almost 15 years of my career. And then towards the end, like while this was all going on, it was, I didn't respond well to calls which got me suspended Mm -hmm. so and you were talking about that's one of the because you start to not really care Mm -hmm. because you're like you're running so low on the inside that you don't have any more bandwidth to deal with the people Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah that's sad. It is. It is sad, but it's also part of my story. Reality. You know? Mm-hmm. So those are just a couple different, I mean, our ways of how we dealt with the stress and stuff. And, you know, we've had a pretty tough, I would say, last four years of marriage. Probably this last one year has been the hardest. Well, I'd say the last four. Wouldn't you say? He's over here like, mm, I don't know. But I'm going to go with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> more. Um, so yeah, I mean, for sure the first one was easier. 
the first, first year. year was oh each year. <laughs> my word! Like the first. We just six. celebrated our ten year anniversary, by the way. Yeah, the first six was pretty easy. Uh. Yeah, we yeah. just had the twins. Before the twins, that was even easier. Well, yeah, but <laughs> kids had a different level of yeah. life to exactly. everything. Um, but so we were kind of thinking about a couple things that could help um, for admin or for people that, you know, different first responders that could be firefighters, it could be police, it could be EMS, it could be dispatchers because we can't leave those people out. No, we can't. can't. Corrections officers, like those things. So I would say let the first responders work out on duty, like let them get paid for it. They should be able to release the stress that they have on duty. Releases endorphins. Yeah. I I think that they should be allowed to um, be paid for like the last 15 to 30 minutes and have a decompression time if they choose. Like, I think that would be huge. Like I know for where we worked, it was like, we have only had like a 15 minute overlap, but you're still expected to be ready to go until you clocked out. Right. Which, you know, I, I think that could be fixed on like shift times. I think that, you know, you should be allowed to do that because I'll be honest for Jason, like we, we live close to where we worked. So he had no time like especially during like the last couple of years as he was a cop, we had no time. He had no time to relax or decompress on the way home. So, and I know other people feel this too. <laughs> or yeah, like yeah. you go right out of work and then you come right home to have like screaming kids or whatever it is, yeah. you know, run this kid here, do this here, yeah. do that here, get this homework done here, you know, yeah. like, all the things life has to do, you don't really have a decompression time. So I think even if it's sitting down, sitting on your phone and staring at it or sitting down and watching a 30 minute TV show and they're not expected to go to any call, they still just get paid for it. You know, like, yeah, that's, that would be good. I think too, what, I mean, instead of, this is just my opinion, Mm -hmm. but like, instead of staring at a screen or something like that, literally just put in noise canceling headphones or put on noise canceling headphones, Mm -hmm. sit, you know, listen to some, uh, a good podcast or something that is not, um, or something that can distract you a little bit so that you can kind of just get into the moment of, okay, I'm leaving this now and I'm going to be going to a different place. Like I'm going home now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that, and really, I think that you could do that probably in about a 10 minute time period. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like what would be recommended. I think at least by my psychologist or my therapist. Sorry. Is that what she says? Yeah. That's what I, I mean, that's what, is recommended to me even after I come home from just driving around in in traffic, you know. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think a couple others could be. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of agencies are doing checkup from the neck up. I mean, I don't know. I never was a part of that because they didn't have that when I was there. 
So I don't really know how it works. Did you ever have that? I did. Yeah. They made it mandatory for us. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I like that it's mandatory. Oh no. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Because nobody, no, especially cops and first responders don't like to be told, Hey, you're doing this. Like you have to do this. You you right? give that opinion and I'll give right? another. Right. No, I heard, I know what you're going to say. Cause there's two sides to it. Like, yeah, you can then get help hopefully. Right. But cops naturally will put up a barrier if they're told you have to do this. Okay. Okay. So like you what, have to. So what's the therapist's job then? To be there for you. And so to like break down if, what? But remember, no, no, no you got to no, answer so this it is how this because they can't visibly see this. Okay, but this is how this worked for that. It was mandatory, like for thirty minutes the first time. Or once a once a year, mm -hmm. so a cop can easily put on a little show mm -hmm. and never hear. Then the psychologist never hears from him again. Yeah, until the next year, mm -hmm. eh, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Everything's good. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Everything's good. I know. I think it's a band aid. It's not the end all <laughs> be all answer. But I'm saying, like, you're thinking of it as like it just didn't do anything for you. No, I I just, like, from me personally, maybe, like, when there's stuff that is, like, you have to do this. I'm telling you, you have to go get therapy. Oh, ask, now. tell, make. Right. Cops don't like that. <laughs> Cops don't like to be told you're doing this or else. Because it's like, or else what? Like, it should just be something like, hey... I'm noticing that it, like it shouldn't be like getting to that point. It should be, holy cow, we're noticing like Jason's late for work. He's screwing up on calls. He's taking a ton of time off. He's withdrawn from all of his partners. Um, maybe we should like talk to him like person to person. Not say, hey, you need to go to this or else. Maybe it should be something like a softer approach. Like, hey, I've been noticing like this these types of behaviors and instead of disciplining you say something along the lines of like are you okay like are is everything okay with you like i want to talk to you about like how's home going and then if you see fit then move towards that in your situation i think in a lot of them i just think that there's so many agencies that if they saw all those things happen, they'd say, Oh, we need to write you up because you're being late. You're not, you're not, you're not, uh, performing the way we want you to, and you're missing a lot of work, but we're going to, instead of like trying to figure out why mm -hmm. we're going to discipline you because that's what we do. That's all we know how to do. We're here to enforce things and move on. I think that's one of the, the biggest problems, too. Yeah. So who knows how the checkup from the neck up even goes? I mean, I think it'd be interesting to talk to some psychologists and who perform those to just see, like, if they really catch anything. 
True, because like how close <clears throat> can you be with someone that you hardly ever meet with? Right. So then if that if that's the case, then chug up from the neck up is just kind of a a band-aid for the real problem or a um a tool that the police department can use and say, well, we did do this. That's exactly what it is. Well, maybe, but maybe for specific agencies that maybe don't believe in it. And I think it all comes with like, I think the the point of implementing checkup from the neck up is good. And there it's taking the right direction. You can't say no No, to that. I don't think that it's ill willed. Yeah. But I I think on both ends, like they they want to say to themselves, well, we did all the things, we, especially if a cop kills themselves or something like that. Well, we offered them this, 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 this. We even made it mandatory that they go and see this person. You mean they're covering right? their tracks. Right. Because I don't know if this is possible or not, but like if a family is like, they had all this happening, the city didn't back them up. The, the the police department didn't back them. And then we're going to sue you. Because we, we're going to sue you because he killed himself because of all the things that you guys didn't do to help. You mean like it could be a possibility? Right. I don't yeah. know if that's a, you know, I mean, people can sue for whatever they want. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like for the admin. It's so the that they, city can, to... they can show like, no, 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 we care. That's, I mean. It could be. That's a different viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, it totally could be. Because different agencies are different things that are listening to this. They're not just But I don't think it's, it's because there's some cops, too, that are going to be way more open than others. You mean like me? Yeah. Like, usually <laughs> usually females are more open with their She'd be like, tell feelings. me what's going on. Right. Well, A, B, C, yeah. D. <laughs> Yeah, whereas like a lot of the male cops are more like, everything's good, I'm good. Like you lie. Fine. Like it's fine. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. So, so I don't think check up from the neck up is the answer, personally. I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. At least they're doing something. I know. I mean, at least of all the things that I just said about it anyway, it's like at least they're moving that way to help but the stigma yeah i think it's just a lot of room for improvement yeah i mean always always there's always improvement Mm -hmm. not if you're not getting better you're getting worse remember yeah totally remember i made that up i i know (laughs) i'm like sure whatever you say babe Uh, another way to, I think that would help is keep friends outside of the job. I think, um, you know, speaking from my experience, you know, I still kept some friends from outside of the job. Um, but, um, how do I say this in the nice way? I had a lot of friends leave me when I became a cop. Um, friends in quotes, let's put it that way, you know, at the time, younger friends in my twenties are definitely not my friends in my thirties or teens, you know, or they're just, it's different relationships now. Right. Um, but you think, and I don't want this to come off in a bad way. 
But you put your life on the line for all your partners. You put your life on the line. You see them every day. You talk with them. You engage in things. You, you know, joke. You're, you know, whatever it is, right? And then you leave and hardly anybody talks to you again and you're just replaced. And I don't say keep friends outside of the job for that exact reason. That's not what I mean. But that can be one part of that one is because like when I left, I was basically, I mean, nobody knew what to do and it, I didn't know what to do myself. So it was just not a good situation because yeah. I didn't have the love and support that I needed. And the people that I thought were like my really good friends were not. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful that, that I still keep in contact with, but I've had it where I see my old partners in person and there's nothing said. Like I say like, hi. And it's like, why are you saying hi to me? Basically <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't know what's wrong with you, but like I had one at your softball tournament and just walk right by me. Like, like I hadn't been there for 15 years or close to. Really? Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So I don't Which know. Which is so weird because like when you're in it, you get, a, you pretty much get, get along with everybody. Like, Most I mean, you have, time, you yeah. have your, some people that you don't or, and some you work shifts with, so you're closer with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's just so weird because, like, once you're out, nobody knows what to say or do. So that should be another topic, too. Look at us just writing these things. Well, I think, too, uh, we could have a whole podcast on the fallacy of the thin blue line or the blue line or whatever you want to call it, like the brotherhood, sisterhood. (laughs) That's a whole other topic because it's fake. You just described it. If it was so strong and so real, where are all the people that have your back? Or, better yet, all the ones that have your back on the job. Nobody has your back on a job. You're being cynical. I'm telling the truth. Well, we could we could have a very interesting conversation on that because I agree See, to a certain extent, but I also think that it could be with what I was dealing with. Sure. So. Yeah, I get that. Because, you know, anybody, you know, gets killed in the line of duty. It's huge. Huge. You know, but it's not. It's not across all the boards with all the things. Does that make sense? It's not across all the boards with all the things. I don't know. Not across the board with everything. Um. So that's a big one. Living within your financial means. I think that's super important why you are a police officer because you never know when it could be your last time, your last shift. Not meaning like, you know, hopefully nothing happens to you, but I mean like you never know when it could be that call that just is like, okay, I'm done. Or firefighter, okay, I'm done. Like always live and have some sort of financial bucket to fall back on and make sure that you're getting good sleep i think that one's really huge it's hard to do that with shift work to be honest 
especially when you have nightmares and all the things, but try to focus on, on good sleep. Yeah, that, that is, I know that you're like starting to fall asleep over here. It seems like (laughs) I'm not. Yeah. Well, it's hard to like end on the sleep one because like we could do like seriously, you could do another podcast on sleep because on how like tips and tricks on how to like actually let yourself sleep and some of the stuff that i even do is it get up walk around try to like reset your brain into like okay we need to go to sleep again stop having like tv on like 30 minutes before bed some people suggest like zero blue light is that what they call them zero blue light like 30 minutes before bed so like no phone no tv some people suggest too that you shouldn't even have you shouldn't eat like five hours before bed because then your body is digesting things in while you're sleeping which means that it's working which means that it's expending energy and it could wake you up so i mean I don't know all of that stuff. Um, I have no problem eating right before bed, but that also is something that I like to do now as because I have different goals that I'm setting for myself for fitness goals and stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, so there's, there's lots of stuff on that and I can come back on a different show and say some more on that, but mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a ton of different articles too that talk about like how police can reduce and manage manage stress levels, right? And how to strengthen relationships at home when you're dealing with stressful things at work. And there's a like even if you just put it into Google, I mean all that stuff would just come right out and it could really, really help you. So if if any of these things like related with you, just put them into the Google search bar <laughs> and like watch a YouTube video or do all the things and it'll just help you get wrap your brain around maybe something you haven't heard of or maybe there's a different approach you can use with your spouse or maybe it's um, a budget, to li- you know, like an easy, quick budget that all of us can do or you know, any little thing like that, that maybe could make a nice shift in your relationship or just the level of stress that you mm-hmm. are carrying. So, and remember not, don't make drastic changes at first, make smaller changes because as you build, then it will become more and more habit forming. you like, if you're trying to wake up to go to the gym early, you don't like, Typically, if you wake up at nine, don't start waking up at five because that won't last because you'll be tired. Start waking up like a like 15 minutes or half hour early every day for the first week or so. Get your body like acclimated to that and then add another 30 minutes the next week or, you know, in the next couple weeks or whatever. And just keep building on it. Don't make drastic changes because they won't stick. No, that's good. Thank you. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, that's the S and our PTSD. We, yeah. And we went pretty long today because we had a lot of stuff to say. But I also have some, I am working on some things behind the scenes. Oh, you are? Yeah. I don't Dan- even know what Danielle they- doesn't even know about them. And I'm not saying them yet because I don't have all the 
all of the information I need to like put it out, but it's going to be sweet. Great. We're going to, we're going to make it happen too. It's going to be really, really cool. And it's going to hopefully bring a lot of awareness to PTSD. It's going to get rid of the stigma or help get rid of the stigma. And then it's also going to start, um, like giving people pride in themselves, I think, who are struggling with PTSD mm-hmm. because they need to know their worthiness because everyone is, is worth like you weren't put here to just like get through life. You're here to succeed in whatever you're doing. So I think that's going to help out a lot. So we'll, I just got to get the logistics stuff. I think I have an idea what it but is. But then we're going to, we're going to move it. We we're going to move it. We're going to move it. All right, guys. Well, there's the S and the PTSD. We appreciate you as always. Yeah, we do. Um, send us emails, send us messages, all the things. Um, so if we're not, I, I will say, well, first, Danielle underscore Woggy. I have stuff I share every day on there. Um, we're at Kingdom Killers as well. And what's the other one I usually say? Facebook. Yeah, we have that. It's Instagram. not really huge. Yeah, we did Instagram. Um, I don't know that. <coughs> always reach out or email and message. Sometimes it goes into our other folder. So that's something else. I just saw one that we have to reply to that it came in the other folder. And it was such a good one. I wish I saw it right away. Yeah. So if like we don't follow you or don't know you, send us it in a different way. And uh, we'll get back to you as well. And if you go to our link tree, if you want to be on our podcast or all the things, just fill it out and we will do that. And I know I talked about it in the past and I've had... Quite a few first responders say, you know, that they want to be on here and all the things. So Jason and I still have to kind of figure that out, how we're going to do that. And, you know, figure that out. I have some psychologists, too, and some doctors that are like, yeah, I could really help your your uh, your followers. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my word, I want all of this. Can we all do it all the time and do it? But we just have to. We just have to figure out a plan. I think. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> and it's getting bigger every it is, week. Yeah. So it's so we're really starting to get traction, which is really awesome, because it's not for us. Mm-hmm. Like we don't make any money on this or any of that. Mm-mm. That's we're strictly doing this to help first responders, veterans who are dealing with PTSD or think they might be, right? Mm-hmm. Spouses thinking that maybe their their spouse is like oh man, this is like fitting them to the T, Mm -hmm. right? Because we've had some reach out and say like, man, I think my husband or wife or whatever is dealing with this stuff. And then we refer them to the podcast Mm -hmm. on a lot of some of the topics or whatever. And it it really does help them out. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this is, this is for the greater good of all of our, our colleagues will say. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, we love you all, and we hope you all have a good day or night whenever you are listening to this. (laughs) And uh, we will see you soon on the next one. See ya. Bye-bye.